Hi, welcome back to Escape Leaving Hell Behind. In this podcast, we talk with people who have left an overbearing religion or cult behind. We are back again today, and I am here with my guests. Why don't you introduce yourself, what religion you left, and tell us your story. Hello, I'm Andy Young. I live in Austin, Texas, and I am an elementary music teacher. I was raised in the Mormon Church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And what made you want to leave or what broke your shelf? Ultimately, it all came down to the fact that I'm gay and that I did not feel accepted or that there was a place for me in this religion that preaches about families and preaches about eternal marriage and not really seeing where I fit into that plan. So what was it like growing up LGBTQ and being in the Mormon church? Yeah, our family was very true-believing Mormon family, and we did all the things. We did family scripture study. We went to church every week. We did mutual and seminary. We basically did it all. I was raised in Friendswood, Texas, which is right outside of Houston, and I was there's not a lot of Mormons out there. And so I was, I don't know, I was... At church, I was the different person than I was at school. And so growing up, I felt like I was looking back, looking when at my younger years, I was definitely a very flamboyant and very gay child. And I carried around a pink purse all the time. I loved the pink ranger. I wanted my mom to paint my nails. And she uh, she instead did the clear coat instead of color because my dad would not allow the color, of course. But pretty quickly, I realized that being flamboyant and uh, a boy was not acceptable. I learned that from my father, the things that he said. I learned that from the church, that attending church. I learned that just from society. I was born in the early 90s, and I still didn't really see anyone in the media or just didn't see examples of, of gay people. And so I quickly learned to shut those emotions down and to and learn how to not be suspicious as gay, or I didn't even know what that meant, just like going, looking back and analyzing my childhood experience. And I just learned to filter everything and to not be my true self. And instead, I learned to be a perfectionist and how to be the best that I could be. I tried to be a good leader at church. I started in choir, and I was a really good singer and, and was really successful at a lot of things. And I felt like I was able to ignore a large part of my life because of that success. So that was like early childhood. And then it changed once I got to high school, discovering that my attractions had started to rise and not really understanding what it was. I was overweight back then. And so I viewed my attraction as admiring the male physique and wishing that I looked like these muscular, uh, beautiful men and not really coming to terms with my sexuality because of that. And yeah, I was just in denial. And my parents should have known probably, and they definitely uh, caught me once watching gay pornography. And instead of addressing it and talking to me about it, my dad asked if I was just curious and if that's why I was doing it. And so, of course, I took that out right away. And I was like, yeah, I'm just curious. And then we never talked about it again. And so I learned this is not okay to talk about. Not even my dad will talk to me about this. And so I just shoved it all in a closet the whole time. Did you experience a lot of bullying? Not too much. I'm a tall person. I've always been tall. Uh, I'm six foot six. And so I was always at least a head taller than everyone else. So I wonder if that kept people from trying to bully me and stuff. But I also just I feel like I am like this big teddy bear and people just are drawn to me. And I was always surrounded by the girls, of course, and didn't have many like friends that were boys. And so the other guys just didn't really mess with me. And 
and didn't. Yes, internally, I was always overanalyzing and, and trying to you know filter, like I said previously, but I never felt like I, I received a lot of torment from others because of it. That's good. Now, what are some of the harmful teachings you experienced growing up? Oh, man, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I've uh, been deconstructing all those harmful teachings for, I've been out of the church now for six years. And it's just so much. Just, I think some of the most core things that really kept me sad and um, depressed for most of my life was just not learning how to be myself and pushing down the things that were me and trying to become someone else. And then, I don't know, I just feel like I wasn't taught how to cope with feelings that didn't align with the Mormon church. And so I just, I learned to be someone I wasn't. And over, that's obviously not good for development. And it, it taught me to be submissive. It taught me to be scared. I was just scared all the time and scared of what people were thinking. And, and of course, the teachings in the church are don't be gay. You should, if you're a man, marry a woman, vice versa, be a heterosexual. And so I thought that's what I had to be. And so trying to be something as basic as your sexual orientation, trying to change that and to become the straight cis white man that I am, like expected to be, I should say, sorry. It just had a lot of long-term effects that I've been still trying to deconstruct in my adult life since coming out and leaving the church. So what is it that ultimately broke your shelf? Was it the what ex-Mormons referred to as the November 2015 policy? Is that what ultimately broke your shelf? You figured it out. Uh-huh. So that was in 2015, and I was excommunicated from the Mormon church in September of 2015. And so just three, two or three weeks prior to that announcement, at that time when I was excommunicated, I obviously had started questioning things and learning to love myself and live my life for myself, but still being stuck in the control of the church and the expectation to stay because I had been with the fear tactics that the church uses of you'll go to hell if you sin, you'll go to hell. And so I was always just so scared of messing up. And then finally, when that new, um, the church announcement that was what gay people are considered apostate, and then I could accept that. I could accept that they didn't think I was this righteous person. But then when they went for the children of gay parents and said, you know, we, we don't want gay people, but we don't want you so much that we're going to refuse the children that you would want to bring to our church. Even though they teach that baptism is essential to salvation, it just seemed so wrong to me. It didn't seem like the church that I believed in. It didn't seem like kind or at all. And it, it just finally made me realize that I had been beating a dead horse with a stick this whole time and not realizing that I was a second class Mormon. Like I was not what they wanted and they were attacking me. And it really just opened my eyes. And it was like a light switch. Like I knew immediately after that, I'm like, oh, and it was a lot to take in at the, in the moment, but it's really what just completely changed the course of my experience. And now were you excommunicated for being homosexual or gay? Most people prefer gay now, correct? Yes. Let me rephrase that then. Every once in a while, I'll get someone who doesn't prefer that so that you just try and throw both in there. But I like to use what terms people prefer. So now were you excommunicated for being gay? Ultimately, yes. There were a few things that went into it, I think. I was at a young single adult branch at the time from... It's college age kids, basically, all the way up to 31. And I was, 
at that point, I was exploring my sexuality. I was going on dates and I was keeping it hidden. I had an experience where I believed that I had received revelation from God, that it was okay for me to be gay. And I felt the same, you know, the, that feeling that they tell you that you're going to get when you pray about the Book of Mormon and pray about the church being true. I got that exact same feeling when I prayed if it was okay for me to act on my feelings. And so I ran with it. And I was like, you know what? I just got to live my life how I think I should, and God will judge my heart. What really got to me was be, I was tired of lying at church. I was tired of being a sec- two-faced. And so I went and told my uh, branch president that I had been dating and all the other things. And it was very quickly that I was in front of a disciplinary council. And I chose to do that because I wanted to help other gay members. I wanted the leadership to see me because I had not seen visible gay members in my experience in the Mormon church. And so I wanted to be that example to others and go in and show them that we are struggling and that there's not answers for us to be successful in the Mormon church. And ultimately they excommunicated me because of that. And then later they told me it was partially due to the fact of how, how many people respected me and how many people looked up to me. I was blogging at the time and blogging about my experience of being a gay more a Mormon and a bunch of people were following me and talk. I had a lot of talk about myself in, in Houston, Texas. And so Ultimately, they said too many people respect you and you're going to try to convert them to the gay agenda. And so that's why they excommunicated me. And ultimately, looking back, it's they're just silencing voices that are obviously not in alignment with the church. But it's you know a good voice. I felt like I was trying to help others and trying my best to make the Mormon church work, but it just wasn't enough for them. And so they had to excommunicate me. And it was a really nasty experience, but I'm really proud that I did it. And I'm really glad where my life has turned out because of it. So now tell us a little bit more about, if you're comfortable with it, tell us a little bit more about why you felt it was a nasty experience. I had a few, the branch president, looking back, I'm realizing that he hardcore discriminated against me. The most, I think one of the most harmful things he did was the Sunday after I was excommunicated, he announced over the pulpit that I had been excommunicated in front of all of my friends, without telling me he was going to be doing that, without giving me, like asking if it was okay. And I'm not an angry person, but I was angry because of that. I felt so disrespected. And this was something that was so personal to me and something that I'd been struggling with a lot. And I was trying my best to still attend church and go because I thought it was true, even though I believed that it was okay for me to be gay. And then that alone, looking back, I just, I don't even think I processed how angry I was at the time. And then later, years later, I've now been able to look back and realized how messed up that was and how it was public shaming. And just, it, it just makes me so angry to think about it. <laughs> I was also told that I wasn't allowed to, of course, this goes with excommunication. You can't pray, you can't read scriptures, you can't have a calling. But also they went as far as to say I was not allowed to sing in the choir or to sing in the state choir, which I had a solo in and I'm a singer. And so that was like a, it's like they were trying their hardest to just push me away and get out of the Mormon church. We don't want you, even though I was trying so hard to hold on. So it was just a really hurtful experience altogether. I can't believe that he got up in church and announced that you had been excommunicated. That it's not even me and I'm, furious. Like, I can only imagine how mad you were. And it's funny, 
at the time, I yes, I was angry, but I just assumed whatever, like this is what they do in Mormonism. I'd never known anyone that had been excommunicated. And so now realizing when I've told people like, this is not normal, this is not common. And it, I should be angry. This was such a terrible thing that he did to me. And uh, yeah. <laughs> Ended up getting rebaptized. But he was excommunicated. Yeah, nobody knew because, yeah, they don't typically announce it. So that just, that was just so low. Yeah. I probably had it come into me though because I had come out previously. And the way I decided to come out actually was at a fast and testimony meeting. Is I got up and ha- gave them no warning. He didn't even know that I was gay, my branch president. And I bore my testimony about how I'm a gay Mormon and I love God, blah, blah, blah. And I'm cel- at the time I was telling people I was celibate and I was just trying to make the gay Mormon thing work. And so I made a very public thing about it. And so I guess this was retribution for doing that and blindsiding him uh, a few months prior, but still not appropriate or good at all. And now you have an interesting relationship to the Mormon church with who you're related to. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, I am related to the second prophet of the Mormon church, Brigham Young. And it's a direct line. My dad was always very proud of this fact that we were related to Brigham Young. And we had like pictures of him in our house and a plate with his picture. We had one of his old Bibles. We had one of his actual armchairs that he had. So I'm sure I could sell that, you know, later. (laughs) But because of that, it was just another expectation to remain faithful that this has remained in your family for so long that you need to continue the tradition of Mormonism in your family. And at the time, Brigham Young was held up on a pedestal to my family. And then in the later years, I've researched Brigham Young's life and realizing that I don't agree with him, that he was racist, that he was, he preached so many things over the pulpit that I'm just flabbergasted that the prophet of the Mormon church was able to say those things. And yet now we just apologize it away and say it was okay that he said those things because he was a man and he wasn't, even though we're taught now that the prophet speaks for God and that we need to follow the prophet, yet previous prophets, they were just men and they make mistakes. And so Brigham Young has a lot of rich history with the church. So it's just a fun fact that I guess that we're related to him. So do your parents still go? Do you have siblings? Do they still go? Yeah, I have two sisters and two brothers. And until recently, it wasn't. Now we have four of the five siblings out of the church. My sisters are both out. My younger brother left when he was in high school. Both my sisters served a mission. My older brother served a mission. And he is still in the church, my older brother. And my parents still attend regularly. And although I I should point out that they have been very supportive of me, they're trying their best to understand that they still are true believing Mormons. And so it's like I can still it's there's definitely a divide in our relationship because of that barrier. But altogether, like they've been as supportive as Mormon parents can be, I think, through all of this. Especially ones that are probably related to Brigham Young. (laughs) Yeah. Are you worried at all that the relationship may get worse if Dallin H. Oaks becomes the next prophet? Oh, man. (laughs) I don't think so. I, I feel like my parents are trying their best. They are very clear that we love you as a person. Nothing can change that. And they just want me in their lives. And I'm a very stubborn person. And I was very clear about my expectations and, and I set boundaries with them. And and so they're not trying to convert me back. And I feel like 
I've had to teach them adult behavior sometimes about communication and boundaries and, and telling people what you need that I was never taught as a child. And so it's been a really rewarding experience to see my parents grow with me as I've grown and I've been able to share those things with them. They generally are receptive to those things, but yes. Yeah, because I know people that they are, understandably, they are really worried about the direction the church will take, the Mormon church will take, if Dallinate Jokes becomes the next prophet in, in relation to LGBTQ community. Yeah, it's definitely something I've thought about a lot because looking back at the history of the church, you see how there are policies that have changed. There's doctrine that has changed. A classic example is blacks and the priesthood, that supposedly that was doctrine that would never change, but look at it now. It's completely different because of the social pressure that had been placed on the church to change. And so I'm hopeful that the social pressure to be an ally and to be accepting of our LGBTQ plus people will pressure the church into changing. I don't know if it will happen, but the internet has really changed a lot, I think, with the church. People are able to research the history, and they can't just tell outright lies anymore. They can't be as hateful as they used to be because they're more visible with the internet. And so I'm hopeful it won't go in a negative route, but you never know with the church. But I can at least have hope that it will change for the younger generations or the future generations. Yeah, I think, like you said, I think eventually it will. I still really worry about Oaks getting in because, I yeah, I think he will. Even if it's temporary, I think he'll take it backward. Yeah, agreed. I just still remember always being scared to listen to his talks because he always throws something homophobic into it. And he was the one that I always think of when I think of, like, negativity surrounding being gay in the Mormon church. And hopefully it doesn't work out that he becomes the prophet because I do agree with you. I think it would take a negative route because of his example that he's shown us over the years of how he thinks gay people should be treated. Did your siblings leave the church because of you or did they leave for other reasons without really getting into their story? Did it have anything to do with you or was it for other reasons? My younger brother left before I did, not with him, but my old, my younger sisters, they, yes, I think I have had an influence on them. And I, they've left within the last year, basically. And so they are like fresh going through the deconstruction process. And they have expressed to me many times how grateful they are to me that I was always an example to them. And I was never pushy and never trying to tell them, you're in a cult, you need to get out. I just tried to be loving and share with them the knowledge I was learning when it was appropriate. And so they both have come to me and told me how much they appreciate the example I've been to them. And I did post the thing that really changed for my sister, Lauren, she and her husband saw my post when I talked about the CES letter. And I posted that a little over a year ago now because I had never read it before. And I finally read the CES letter. I'm like, oh, my gosh, everyone needs to read this. That's in the Mormon church. So I posted it. And because of that post, my, my sister, she had just had a baby and she realized we don't want to raise our daughter in the Mormon church unless we believe it's true because this church is sexist and a very patriarchal system. And they didn't want to raise their daughter in the purity culture unless they knew it was true. And so they saw my post about the CES letter, they read it. And that was like the start of the journey for them to leaving the church. And so it's honestly been such a rewarding experience the last year to see their journey. It's reawakened a lot of things in me, uh, 
as they go through the process of leaving and, and reminding me what it was like for me. But I'm just so glad that I can be there for them. And because I remember how lonely it was for me. I moved to Austin by myself. I didn't know a single soul. I basically said goodbye to every Mormon I ever knew. And I just was alone and didn't really reach out for help. And so seeing them and the progress they've made so quickly is just so great to see. And it makes me really happy. I've never read the CES letter. I left roughly about the same time as you. So I don't even know if the CES letter was a thing then. If it was, it was just barely had come out and it wasn't, it hadn't garnered attention. And I actually left slightly ahead of the November 2015 policy. And yeah, so like coming onto TikTok and hearing about the CES letter or Joseph Smith being a pedophile and all this stuff. I'm like, well, I I mean, not that I was going to go back before. I was like, I'm definitely not going back now. For sure. It like I left because I was gay. There were so many other reasons. It was like an obvious, like once I finally left, it was obvious for me to leave. And I, I still remember to this day, I had a friend that I met in college that she happened to be Mormon. And we had a really sincere conversation once where she's like, Andy, it's so hard for me to leave because I don't have as easy an excuse to leave as you did. It was clear cut black and white for you. But for her, it was more like her family was still in it. And there was so much pressure and all the the spider web that they get you caught in. Um, So ultimately, I feel very lucky that I was gay and allowed to leave quickly. But yeah, the CES letter was never on my radar until I finally was like, I should probably read this. And I just was, it's just confirmed all of the things I've been learning over the years. Oh my gosh, this whole thing's a scam. Well, and that's part of the reason I started this podcast is someone could tell me that they just don't even want to go and I'll be like, come on my podcast. They don't have to like be like, oh, I read the CES letter and it's not true. They could just be like, I just don't want to go anymore. And I'll be like, that's valid enough for me. Come on. Yeah. No, I think being visible is really important to me. And I've been very active on social media over the years about my experience and and the pain and the the things that I've gone through, because I know how valuable it was for me to see examples of other gay Mormons when I was still in the church and like how comforting it was to see another person that was going through what I was going through. And so anything to, to spread the word or to share experiences, I think is good because the church silences those things. They're trying not to let you see the, the happy ex-Mormons, they want you to think that they are, you know, happiness was never, uh, sin, what is the quote? I love when I forget Mormon quotes because I'm like, cool, like it's been a long time, but it was like the one about happiness, sinfulness was never happiness or whatever. <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah. I want this podcast to be where everyone feels that their story for leaving or their reason for leaving is valid. Because like you said, she felt like she didn't have a good excuse to leave. so she stayed longer than she would have. Maybe she's still in it for all I know. But yeah, everyone should feel like their reason to leave is valid. Agreed. And, you know, I've become obsessed with studying psychology and um, theology after the church to really try to understand what my brain was doing when I was in the church, why I felt those things, why it was so hard to get out And it's been so rewarding to be able to read a book that's like word for word explaining the experience that I had and the control that was 
placed upon me, the mind control, the manipulation, the shame covers everything in the church that they want you to feel bad about who you are. Because, and so that you need Jesus, that you need the church to change. And so the more that I study, the more that I learn, the more validated I feel in my decision and life choices. And before I felt like I had this small little bubble and I could only look at Mormon things and only follow um, the things that they approve. But now I have all the philosophies of the world that I get to pick and choose from and decide what's best for my life. And I just, I want everyone to live that way. I like to isolate yourself so much that you don't get to experience different viewpoints. It's so sad to me. And, and I get to experience that now. And I just want everyone to be able to live their authentic life and be who they are and, and do what speaks to them and listen to their bodies. Because I was never taught that growing up. And now as we get closer to wrapping up, what are three tips you have for people looking to leave the Mormon church, the Mormon cult? Advice for people leaving. I would say being your authentic self is was my goal. And I think something that brings true happiness because you can experience the joy of discovering the messiness of life and what it means for your unique soul. Question, question, question is the second thing. You have to, everything in life you should question. We are taught that in science and anything that's telling you not to question and not to research further is something that you should be questionable about. I'm bad at advice. I don't know. (laughs) But just following your truth and, oh, how about this? Number three would be to trust in yourself. I don't know. I'm getting a little flustered, I guess. (laughs) The words aren't coming out. But uh, it was really easy to be angry at first and to hate all of the experiences that happened to me. But to understand that there are a lot of things about the Mormon church that were not necessarily bad, that there's community in the church, that there are things that you will miss when you leave. So to fill your life with the things that are important to you, having a community, having a belief in something that is higher than yourself, whether it be nature or some other form of God, whatever it may be, but to understand that there is just more than we were taught in Mormonism and to explore with all of that. And then as we are done for the day, is there anything else you'd like to add before we go? I guess I just want to express how happy I am because a lot of the times ex-Mormons are painted as these angry people that are trying to bring down the church, that they Satan is working through them. And that's not true. I know so many people that are living fulfilling lives outside of the church, and I'm one of them. And I have found so much more peace and so much more joy because I've removed myself from what I believe are harmful teachings. And I want everyone to experience the joy that I have. So I want to share that with others. Awesome. Thank you for coming on and have a great day. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thanks again for joining us today. As always, I want to give special thanks to our sponsor and friend, Corporate Design Solutions, who has generously made it possible for this podcast to be a reality. If anyone is looking for help protecting their digital info, please email Michael at helpdesk at corpdesignsolutions.com.